listening to episode 15, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Daryl Dash. Daryl is a pastor and church planter in Toronto with over 25 years of ministry experience. He also has a Doctor of Ministry degree from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He's written the book, How to Grow, Applying the Gospel to All of Life, and currently serves as the pastor of Liberty Grace Church in Toronto. He and his wife Charlene are the co-founders of Gospel for Life, and they are both passionate about helping people grow. You and I were created for a purpose, but because of sin, that purpose has been corrupted. Our sin, it cuts deeply to the heart of who we are, and we're no longer able to walk in the purpose in which we were created for. And suddenly, enjoying God seems like an impossibility. We're misaligned with our purpose, and we're no longer able to take joy in the things that we should take joy in. Instead, our evil, sinful desires pull us in a direction towards our own desires, following our own wills, and obeying the desires of our heart that happen to be evil most of the time. And so, as we begin our journey of following Christ, it seems like we must lay aside everything that gives us pleasure. This has sort of led to the false notion that the holier you get, the more boring you become. And this is one of the things that Daryl addresses first off in the interview. But it also brings up an interesting question about the interplay between living a life of joy in Christ and bearing our cross as we follow him into suffering. And this is where our conversation ultimately leads in this chapter, and it's a really powerful one because Daryl opens up and he talks about some very difficult times in his life that he went through and is still going through in many ways. And that really prompted me to open up about my own difficult struggle over the past few years of dealing with my mom's suicide. And so I hope that as you listen to this episode, it's actually an encouraging one, even though we're talking about such deep and sorrowful events that have happened in our lives. I hope that you take away that the Lord has used those events to pull us closer to Him. In fact, we probably couldn't have been as close to Him in our lives as we are right now if we hadn't gone through those circumstances. We have this idea in our head that the holier you get, the, the more boring you become, the stuffier, the drier, and you, you, know, you don't really have a lot of fun or happiness or um, uh, joy. <laughs> Why do, why, why do we have that mindset? Like, why do we have that image in our head of, of the, the holy saint that has no joy? Because you point out, really, the most spiritually mature people you know are actually the, the most joyous. They have the most happiness in life. So why do we have this false sense of uh, in our heads? You know, I really actually, I mean, there's a number of reasons. Uh, I think, though, that if you want to take it to the, the reality that we're we're in a spiritual uh, battle, and I think that's actually Satan's design to get us. Uh, so Satan, I mean, if you go back to Genesis 3, the very lie that he told to Eve is that God is withholding something good from you. 
And if you want the good life, then you're going to listen to me rather than God. And that's being perpetuated all along. So I think it's one of Satan's tactics is to get us to believe that uh, following God, that's a good thing to do. But man, does it ever suck? And you're probably going to be miserable. So uh, you know what? Like, have some fun. You deserve a break. And, and I can help you with that. And the opposite is actually true. I was really impacted by the Lord of the Rings, uh, the movies. You know, I read the books, but I remember seeing the picture of Gollum when he was an ordinary creature. And uh, then because of this disordinate desire he had, he became this monster. And I thought, man, Tolkien's giving us a very theological picture there that uh, we began as these creatures, you know, that God had created that were made in his image. And sin has corrupted us. It hasn't made us better. It's actually twisted us. And we're in the process of, well, C.S. Lewis said uh, that if we could see people and their trajectory where they would end, we're either on our way to becoming those monsters, so to speak, or to be more glorious than we can imagine. So, yeah, I, part of my journey has been actually believing the scriptures. So Psalm 4-7, you put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Um, Psalm 16-11, you've made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And on and on, all through the Bible, the whole idea that what God promises to us is joy. It's it's the good life. It's flourishing. Uh, no, quite honestly, uh, Chris, I, I, I heard the first catechism question, you know, what, what's the purpose of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. I kind of got that part, the first part, to glorify God. When I got to the enjoying part, I really stumbled on that. Like, what does... Is that really true? Are we meant to enjoy God? And the more I've grown, the more I'm like, yeah, that is the whole purpose of life is to grow in that enjoyment of God, which is, uh, it's, it's simply amazing. And it's something I struggle with so much. Um, you mentioned it in the book, but John Piper's book and, you know, his work for desiring God and Christian yeah. hedonism is, um, really, I, I find fascinating because I'm not a person who... I just, that would never have crossed my mind like that. Cause again, I'm like you, it's like, it's glorify, it's all duty. Our, we have a duty to God and we just sort of have to knuckle under and pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and, and do our duty. Um, so it is, it's fascinating that we actually should enjoy God. Um, I'm curious though, because so much of the Christian life also involves dying to ourselves and picking up our cross to follow Christ. And there is a there is a component of suffering that accompanies it as well. So how do you balance and work through those issues where, like, on the one hand, there are going to be hard times and struggles. I mean, Jesus promises that. But at the other, we do have that great joy that he promises. How do those things work themselves out in your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's no doubt uh, we really are called to suffer. It's, it's a theme throughout the whole Bible, especially in the New Testament. I mean, Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. Uh, and here's the reality. Um, I think that we have this idea that to pursue happiness is to pursue uh, basically no suffering, is to pursue a life that's problem-free. And Jesus completely turns that upside down. He says, no, to pursue happiness, to pursue joy— is not to pursue circumstantial happiness, but it's to pursue me. And and the, the teaching of the Testament is, if you pursue me, even though everything else is taken away, uh, even though you're not even pursuing, 
I, I don't think we're meant to actually pursue happiness. I know that's the uh, very un-American to say. I'm Canadian, but I know that's very un-American to say. I think it actually uh, short circuits when we pursue happiness directly. Uh, what we're meant to do is to pursue God. And when, then once we have God, we have a, a joy and a peace that can withstand even the hardest circumstance. So uh, what I don't mean to say is that, you know, I don't think we should ever deny reality. I think that there's uh, psalms of lament for a good reason. There's going to be times when we're we're not feeling that happiness. Uh, there's going to be there's good reason to actually be honest about what we're going through and that it's hard. Uh, I, I think of Paul in Second Corinthians, he says that we were afflicted beyond what we could bear in the first chapter. So there's going to be times when we're just overwhelmed with suffering. But in the middle of that, there's still this deep contentment and joy and happiness in God. Um, the, the Beatitudes are so, uh, I would say, all paradoxical, right? Uh, blessed or happy. It's a state of happiness that he's talking about. And then Jesus says, are those who mourn, you know, blessed are, and all these things that he talks about are not things that we think are the good life. And yet Jesus says that if you have God, even in the midst of suffering and all these other things, you're blessed. You're in a state of, of intense happiness despite your circumstances. So, man, I think it's completely countercultural, but that's a path to joy. Yeah, it totally turns it upside down. And I love what Dallas Willard says about this, of learning to accept the easy yoke of Jesus, because how could... How could bearing our own cross be easy? And uh, he says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but we ha- we don't experience that easy yoke because we simply haven't given everything over yet. You know, we're still trying to shoulder it ourselves, and we're still holding on to to baggage there. And um, so that's been very challenging as I've tried to like work that out in my own life. Of okay, maybe maybe if it does get hard, you you talk about this when you, I, I think even when you're talking about resistances later on here of I need to maybe stop and evaluate what's going on in my heart, what's going on in my life to see if maybe I'm holding something back or uh, there's something, it usually tends to, to point out there's something going on in your life that you need to deal with at that moment. And so, because um, you're right, it, it, it seems so paradoxical that it couldn't possibly be true, except when we're walking with other Christians, I mean, we have examples of it in Scripture. But when we walk with other Christians who actually live it out in front of us, we can really begin to see, oh, this really is true. And it's why I love testimonies. Um, We don't do it too much anymore, but I remember when I was a kid, and I grew up in the South, and so, you know, like Sunday evenings especially, it was like, that was the time for people to get up and be able to talk about what God has been doing in their lives. And uh, I think we miss something when we stop sharing those testimonies like that with each other. And so um, I'm not saying we have to do it in our public worship services every time or anything like that. But that's why it's so important to be walking with someone. It is. And, you know, in the, the process of writing the book, uh, we moved to plant this church uh, six years ago. And I would say in many ways, the past six years have been the hardest of our life. Uh, we've been through more suffering than, and, and before that, it's not like we were immune to suffering. Like my wife went through two periods of fairly significant depression. Um, you know, we've been through, uh, the last church we left, um, you know, like a lot of pastors, we ran into some hard times with the church and uh, the leaving, you know, it wasn't it wasn't all bad, but there were certainly some hard moments. And uh, and moving here, like we really, really, our family went through a fairly significant crisis. Our kids had a hard time. And yet in the process of, of writing this book, it's not like 
it's not like life was easy. And yet I would say in the middle of all that hardship and probably a lot of tears too, there was a joy that in Jesus, in God, that wasn't just a happy face. It wasn't like plastering or pretending, plastering a happy face on a sad situation. It was actually genuine, uh, a joy that we developed that we'd never had before. So it really is remarkable how God works that in the middle of the hardest circumstance, he can be doing his greatest work and actually leading us to greater joy when uh, really we should be having the worst time of our lives. And in the middle of that hardship, he can lead us uh, into a, a greater joy in him. So it really is remarkable how he does that. Yeah. It, and you can feel free again to to pass on this if you'd like, but I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. You know, you, we love to explore with people those difficulties and, and that hardship because Again, it seems to be an area that we we overlook, and people so often feel ostracized and isolated when they go through their own dark nights of the soul and, and depression, especially. I'm, I'm I'm so thankful and glad that it's it's starting to become destigmatized, and we can start to talk about it. and And counseling is a very important tool for that. Um, could you talk about though, like anything that comes to mind um, in the last six years? What has been a particularly difficult challenge and how how did the lord use those circumstances to grow you guys through that yeah uh, uh, you know we we left our last church and we began to plant this church uh and I'll, i won't give every detail because uh it wouldn't be fair to my kids but basically within the first few months of beginning the planting journey both of them were went from being i, I would say you know, everything looked kind of like it was working okay. And both of them entered a, a pretty significant period of struggle. And it, it got so bad. I remember going to a support group about a year into that. And uh, I'd never been to, I never thought I would ever end up at a support group. And this was sort of a trial to kind of see what it was like to be part of this. And they had a father going through a similar circumstance. And he was sharing his story. And his story involved you know, a, a daughter who had been through the same thing as my daughter was going through. And he'd spent, I think at that point, hundreds into the hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to find, you know, uh, places, treatment places for her to get help. And um, so I was sitting there with the support group. I think two things blew me away. Number one, I looked around the room and I just began to realize there's way too many people in this room. Like I thought I was alone. And the, the suffering we're going through, like I'm, there's dozens of people going through this. And that really humbled me. But the other thing that humbled me is at the end of the story, this father who had spent all this money trying to help his daughter, his daughter ended up passing away anyway. And uh, just realizing, I think I'm at this point where I don't have the answers, where I could do everything possible and it still might not be enough. Uh and so that was a very dark period of, of our lives. And my wife and I would sit in the morning. I was trying to plant a church. And uh, I'm a, a, I don't know if you know the Enneagram very well. I'm oh, yeah. a type three achiever. Uh, okay. So I wake up with a to-do list. Like if I'm sitting still too long in the morning, I start to go crazy because, you know, i got stuff I need to get done. I would wake up in the morning. Our kids would go to school. And uh, my wife would, after breakfast, would just sit there. And I could see the tears begin to come. And, and so I would sit with her on the couch and uh, maybe for half an hour, sometimes an hour, just hold her. And I was racked with guilt, right? I was supposed to be planting a church. And instead, all I'm doing is, is helping my wife. And I went to a coach and he said, 
hey, dude, that is your job right now. Like, it's it's a phase. If you don't love your wife, though, you have no business pastoring a church. So you sit there on the couch as long as she needs you. The rest will wait. It'll be there. But you love your wife right now because otherwise you have no business being a pastor. So I would say in all of that, we look back now. I'm so glad those years are over. Things are a lot better. We're not completely out of the woods, but uh, things are a whole lot better than that. But I would say in the middle of that, uh, we, I don't know, it's weird to describe Chris, like there were tears. Uh, I think even in in me recounting it, you can tell like it was, it's tough to even talk about now, but there was a lot that we discovered about God. And in the middle of that, I think our faith deepened, our love for each other deepened. And I think God did a work in my soul that probably wouldn't have been possible if we hadn't have gone through that. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm quite the point where I'm completely thankful for that experience, but I can see how God redeemed a lot of that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for that honesty. And, you know, the thing I love the most about you recounting this story is um, so much when we hear people talk about, especially, you know, longer past experiences, but... We, we almost tell them as if we came out of it and we're back to 100%, like, and we understand everything about it. And so what I appreciate about what you just said is that you're still on this journey, you know, and you recognize that, you, you know, even though you, the fog might have lifted and, and you're through it and you can be somewhat grateful, um, there's still, like, it's, it's not perfect, like, and, and, and it won't necessarily be perfect, and that's okay because I think it recognizes... Um, you know, there's still more work to be done. There's still more growth that can happen, right? How to grow. And um, so, yeah, thank, but thank you for that. Uh, I lost my mother a little over two years to, uh, to suicide. And so um, it, it, oh, man. It, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So very similar in that, just learning to walk and learning to heal. And, yeah. um, and, and then to be real with you, just a, like a couple weeks ago, actually, I sort of just woke up one day and I was thinking about it and I felt it was a weird piece of like, okay, like maybe, maybe things are okay now. Maybe, maybe I can start turning the corner. And it's not like, you know, for the first eight months, I lived in a really dark depression. I mean, just, just dark depression. And every day was sort of like a, a fight for my own uh, survival. You know, let me just get through the day. Um, and, and so the Lord did a great work at about the eight month period in my heart, though. Uh, but you know, we're never really done. You know, the Lord will always continue to use these things. And so I thank you for your story. Yeah. I'm preaching through second Corinthians right now. And it's amazing. Uh, just the amount of suffering that Paul went through and also, you know, the, the Corinthian church had a hard time with it because they kind of said, Paul, if you were the real deal, you wouldn't be suffering so much. And he came back and said, actually, the fact that I'm suffering authenticates the fact that I'm following Christ. Because that is the normal Christian life. So, yeah, I really appreciate your honesty, too. I think that, uh, yeah, we just need to lean into that a whole lot more. Uh, the, the fact that God works through our weakness and, and the Christian life is a lot of suffering, a lot of joy, but a lot of that is in the context of suffering. Exactly. And it is, it, it's so paradoxical that you can experience um, joy. The only, like, and I tell people now, so I have a, I have a journal called the Daily Growth Journal, and journaling every day became sort of my lifeline. And the first question in that journal, it asks um, to write down three things that you're grateful for. And that was sort of my tether to the light, you know, is that I had to sit down and think about big or small, 
just three things that I'm grateful to God for giving me for today. And it was sort of like, it, it is really possible to have joy. Now, we might not characterize our entire life as joyful in, that, in those moments, but it is very possible to, to, to walk in that, that suffering and depression and, and still have gratitude and uh, some measure of joy there. So, You know, one of the things I realized, uh, I remember sitting with uh, husband and wife as the wife was passing away and uh, sitting with a the husband there, they've been married many years and she was, she did die that day. And just realizing if I don't have a, something that can help them in that circumstance, I've got nothing. Uh, and, and fortunately we do have a faith that is able to handle the worst that life throws at us. And, and so that's the reality. We need, we need something that can handle not just the easy stuff, but we need stuff that can handle even those moments. And I'm so grateful that's what we have. Yeah. And, and then that's really where you start to see, going back to the gospel, it's really good news. <laughs> like that becomes the good news of it. <laughs> is yeah. that we can survive those situations and, and, and press on, and our hope is in, uh, for life to come. I really appreciate how open and honest Daryl is with sharing about this dark and difficult time that he walked through with his wife. Um, it really underscores that no matter what we're going through, the Lord is always at work in our hearts and in our lives, and that He is using what's happening to us, good or bad, for His glory and for our development. Nothing that we experience goes unnoticed by God, and He takes it and He shapes it in our lives and as He works in our hearts to shape us into the people that He is calling us to be. For my own story, journaling has played a huge role in that. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for journaling. Um, dealing with my own struggle and journey of dealing with the suicide of my mom took me to the very end of who I thought I was. And journaling provided an outlet for me to find hope, to find the light in the darkness, and to cling to God in a way that I didn't think was possible. And now, Although there has been great healing in my life, journaling continues to play a huge role in my spiritual development. Um, we don't include journaling in the big three disciplines of uh, reading our Bibles, prayer, and communion uh, with the saints through our weekly uh, church service, but I truly believe that journaling is the easiest thing that you can do to multiply the effects of those three disciplines in your life. They provide you an outlet in reflection to explore deeper in what God is doing in your life. And so for that reason, I really want you guys to check out the Daily Growth Journal. I think it could be a huge benefit for your own spiritual development in your life. And because this is Easter week, we're going to offer you a 20% discount. So head on over to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and at checkout, Enter in the promo code EASTER2019 to get 20% off of the Daily Growth Journal. And if you can't afford the journal, then I want you to check out the free download. We want you to be able to use these prompts so much that we will literally just give them away. And so you'll find that link on dailygrowthdiscipleship.com as well. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.